The following podcast is presented to you by the BICBP Radio Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week of the panel discussion. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your three hosts, and... Chris Gallo. Chris Gallo. We are all back. Happy to be back. Uh, comic book talk. The best. We uh, Something I enjoy very much, and we wanted to do something special this week because it is February, which is Black History Month, traditionally. And, we, you know, Chris, Greg, and I discussed how important it would be to devote an entire episode to African-American comic book characters. Because they are so few and far, you know, between. The the, the original ones, you know, the, the characters with a little bit of originality, are the ones that tend to stand out the most. You know, your Black Panthers, Luke Cage's, um, Steel, and, and, and so many others. There's been a lot of great African-American characters uh, developed that are hold a special place in a lot of people's hearts. Well, what, what I like that we did with this episode and... Uh for who you reviewed and I reviewed and it is, is these are still very big name characters, but it, it, it wasn't the Black Panther and Luke Cage. None of us did Black Panther or Luke Cage or yes. Storm, yes, which are like yes. the three biggest African-American characters. Um, you know, so I, I like that we kind of try to, you know, deepen our horizons a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of ones we didn't touch on, but when I was kind of researching this and who to do and who to follow up on, as much as there is a lot of great African American heroes, there's not enough. Like it wasn't no. as expansive as I thought it would be. You really have to to search deep. You, you you almost you almost really have to search deep for for certain ones. Yeah, there there are very few and far between mainstream ones. And there's a lot that don't have solo runs. Like there's no like I couldn't find any brother voodoo solo runs because I kind of looked that I really had trouble finding Falcon solo runs. Like. That's that's true. Yeah, yeah. There really, yeah, there really aren't many. I mean, there needs to be. A, there should be a, a bigger spotlight on it. Um, you know, like like I said though, I, I prefer the original characters. Sometimes, sometimes like um, switching them out with a with another regular like uh, you know, it, it's it doesn't. It loses like a value to it, I guess. Like if it just fill in for like, like Miles Morales, for example. Like it's it's different. Miles Morales is a great character, and I love it. But you know, people will always associate the Spider-Man character with Peter Parker. Miles Miles Morales, for you know, it, I feel like he'd be a great individual character if you kind of catch where I'm going. Like if he had his own original costume gimmick you know he's he's a great character and they could do a lot with him but i think there will always be you know peter parker will always be spider-man to a lot of people um you know steve rogers will always be captain america more originality i think well i think they went the right way when when they did Riri williams they named her iron heart and not iron yes that was iron a good Man. one yes like that was that was hey we're doing this but we're not gonna just say she's Iron Man. Right, right. No, that's that's very smart, and that's that, that's what essentially what I'm trying to get at is yeah, pretty much that. There, there have been a lot of great, great African American characters, and we see it today. I mean, yeah, just to name a few: War Machine, 
um, sometimes very underrated, but has had some great solo runs. Black Lightning, uh, very iconic DC character. Uh, I mean, there were so many that like I thought about doing, uh, and I settled on two, but I could have done a hundred more characters, but uh, I'm happy with the two I did. Uh, they're both, uh, they kind of go into the magic and darkness, you know, as far as dark arts and stuff. So, yeah, very good. I'm excited to read our books for this episode. Like I said, I did uh, some ones that I normally wouldn't pick up, but I will, uh, I'll start this one off. I'm going to do Bishop, the last X-Man. Uh, this is number nine. Came out in June of, well, let's see. There's a Star Wars Episode One Jedi Power Battles <laughs> advertisement here. So I'm guessing 99, 2000, um, yeah, 1999. All right, so this uh, comic book starts off. Bishop is on, I'm not sure the backstory because this is the ninth issue, um, but here's kind of the, it's kind of like a little, they're, they're on some type of mission. Um, they're after some somebody called the Chronomancer, uh, Bishop and this team of people who uh, I don't know all of their names, but they're traveling on some type of railroad track, where they are stopped by a giant named Toll, who uh, he, he tells them, you know, this is my bridge, this is my tracks, you can't be on it. Uh, go do this, and I'll, you know. Go bring me this, and I'll let you, I'll let you, uh, you know, use this to whatever you need to do. So they go. He points them to this village. He tells me they have to go retrain, uh, retrieve like a, uh, it's called a chakchu, but it's pretty much like a train, and bring it to him, and he'll let him them use it uh, for whatever he wants. But they are also accompanied by another, a giant. It's a smaller. Uh, and by giant, I mean this is like a, a type of a race of of beings. And his name is Nam, uh, or not, N-O-M, Nam. And they go to this village, and the villagers are not very thrilled with the, with Nam, who's quiet and not like Toll. And the villagers explain that Toll is actually, um, he moved into their area, he he took over the, the, the railroad, and which is their only port for like trading and all that stuff. And what he does is he just takes from people, takes from people. And the village has nothing left because he's just taking and taking and taking. And like he, he when Tall was talking to Bishop and his crew, <coughs> excuse me, he made it seem like he was just, you know, good hearted guy, blah, blah, blah. And it, uh, yeah, come to find out that, that Tall is actually kind of a douche. But <laughs> they discover the train, and then they go, they, they make a deal with the villagers that they will take care of Tall. And uh, so they can escape and, and this and that. But um, Nam goes, goes because he got rocks thrown at him by the villagers, he goes to speak with Tall about, you know, the history of, of their race of people. And... Uh, it's, everything seems to be going good at first, and then out of nowhere, Toll hits him with a stick and says, I'm going to be the last of the Giants. I'm the last of the Giants. He tries to knock Nam off the bridge. A little fight ensues, uh, but Toll, or excuse me, Nam is hanging, yeah, hanging off the bridge near death, and he begs, 
he begs not, or no, it, excuse me, It's it kind of switches a little bit. Nam eventually knocks Toll on the side of the bridge, and Nam goes to pick him up because Toll uh, does that classic villain thing, like, you know, please save me, please help me. And Toll shows how, you know, deceptive he is. But while uh, on the train tracks, while they're fighting on this bridge, Toll is hit by uh, the train uh, that Bishop and his crew rescued. There wasn't, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of Bishop in this book. But, I mean, it was a, it was a decent story. It was cool exploring the giants. Um, Bishop looked, I liked his art style there. But anyways, for getting rid of Toll... Uh, but these villagers uh, have decided to follow Bishop and his team to go fight the Chronomancer, which is uh, which is pretty cool. It gives them a little bit of purpose in life. But I like that none shall pass, and this is before Lord of the Rings was a thing. So yeah, the movies and stuff. Yeah, it wasn't even close. So it was uh, yeah, it was interesting. I'm glad I picked this book up. Um, let's get into the reviews if I can remember everything. I think I do. Um, so for artwork, this was it definitely nineties. The cover was pretty cool. Um, the visuals were, you know, exciting throughout. It was definitely, definitely late nineties. It was definitely a reflection of its time period. I would give the artwork an eight. Action. Not a whole lot of action. The fight with, uh, you know, the two giants, Tall and Nam were, uh, it was relatively minimal, but uh, I mean, it was it was all right. Um, so I'm gonna give it a five. Story. Minor story. I mean, it was kind of it was. It was kind of cool, you know. There's a, there's obviously a main journey going on, and this was just a little bump in the road, little side side story, to go with it. It didn't really progress the overall story. At all, whatever you know, whatever battle with Chronomancer uh, ends up happening, but uh, I mean, it was a decent side story, and it actually, I mean, it kind of helped them get some villagers, helped them get some transportation. I'm gonna give this story a six. Dialogue, very easy to follow. Um, simple when it came to the giants, but the stuff with the villagers, it was, uh, it was really, it was really well done. I didn't hate the dialogue at all. I'm gonna give it an eight. And rereadability, it's uh, it's it's not bad, it's not great, it's definitely one of those middle of the pack books. Uh, I'm gonna give the rereadability a seven, 34 out of 50, for Bishop the Last X Man number nine, June 1999. Oh uh, yeah, I mean Bishop's such a cool character too. I remember having that action figure when I was a kid. I used to, yep, the X-Men 10-inch uh, deluxe action figure. We didn't get out. enough of him either, like, in those no. cartoons. Like, they could have explored him a lot he more. Had a so. cool, he had a couple cool episodes with Cable, I remember. He was a big part of Days of Future Past, uh, that, yeah, that miniseries. Yes. Stuff, yeah. um, the movies, we only had one Bishop appearance, which was the Days of Future Past, and he, I thought he was going to be a bigger character than he was. He uh, should have been a bigger character. He, yes, he should have. Yes, he should have. And he looked awesome. Like, I loved... The, the, like, I felt like his his power, the, the way they, they showed him was, like, really, really cool. And, yeah, they just kind of... That, that's been the story of all the X-Men movies, though, is that they just dropped the ball. Well, yeah, it's like, characters. hey, Days of Future Past, we're introducing all these cool characters. And but it's going to be in the 60s with Wolverine. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. 
thanks. Thank God. Thank God. More Wolverine. Um, I hate to say it, but man, the X-Men movies may be kind of dislike Wolverine. Hopefully Marvel makes him cool again. We hope so. We hope so. Um, I read Vixen Return of the Lion. This was the first issue, December of 2008, written by G. Willow Wilson. Uh, Vixen's a character that I really didn't know much about until watching the Arrow series. And then it got, then they use a character. She's named Vixen, but it's her grandmother on Legends of Tomorrow. But it's a character I've gotten to know. Like I watched some cartoons. And she, when I went back and binge watched all the Justice League, uh, and she's a real big part of, um, not Justice League, but what's the other one after that? Uh, if Greg was here, uh, it's the really good Justice League series. Unlimited, Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, and uh, she was really a big part of that. So this is Return of the Lion. Um, it starts off with a pretty cool scene. You see, like a a bomb looks like it's gonna th- gonna blow off. Um, and what it is is actually a smoke bomb from Batman. You got Batman, Superman, Black Canary, and Vixen beating up some gangsters. And you see this one guy's got like some type of like it's not kryptonite it's probably like plutonium or whatever and they stop him or whatever there's a big sound effect crunch guy gets thrown into like some warehouse boxes and then you see you know a little bit of dialogue about you know this is the inner gang and basically these are the four for the Justice League trying to take down this like they're called the inner gang and they're basically a global like terrorist group so. They're doing a little, so Vixen's off doing her own. She leaves and they're doing some research and they find out that they're funneling these weapons to a man in Zambezi. And they find out that the man in Zambezi killed Mari, uh, Vixen's mother. So they're like, who's going to tell her? And Superman's like, I'll tell her. So you go back to the Justice League uh, headquarters and Mari's boxing. And, you know, her and Superman have a little fun dialogue. And, and she's like, want to fight? And he goes, I'll win. She goes, really? No, do you think so? <laughs> like, like, actually, like, challenge Superman. But Superman tells her, hey, this is this is who uh, killed your, your – the guy who killed your mother is still alive because she thought he, he was dead. And then she's just like – she hugs Superman, or whatever. But then she's like, "All right, I'm going for a vengeance." And Superman says, "That's not the way. Don't go that." And she goes, "You would do the same if you love one." And he goes, "Don't go home. I can't return home." And I, I you know, I, th- I think they, you know, that saying I believe is, you know, sometimes you can't go back home, you know. So, but she's like, "No, I'm going." And Superman tells her it's too dangerous. This guy's a global terrorist, whatever. She doesn't listen. And he goes, "You're going to get hurt." And, and he walks out. Uh, we go to Zambezi. She shows up. Uh, she runs runs into an old schoolmate of her. And I, th- I think her name was, let's see, uh, Abiza. Yeah, she runs into Abiza. They're talking. Uh, they're, like, reuniting and everything. And uh, she's like, oh, you're in America, this and that. But she's like, yeah, sometimes I miss home. Um, you know, but she goes, I don't know why you left. You know, your parents died, so you have nobody to you know, protect you, set up, arrange marriage and all that stuff that, that, that they do in Zambezi. And then you see these gangsters, they show up, uh, the, these like thugs, they show up in, uh, uh, motorcycles. Well, she turns into the power of a Jaguar. She just beats the crap out of these guys, kicks them, punches them, shreds the bikes with the claws, like just totally takes care of these, these guys. But then, 
uh, Bisa starts getting freaked out. She's like, oh my, you're, 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 why, why do you have these powers? Like, this isn't the Mari I knew in this and then She tells her about the totem. She goes, yeah, but your father, he was a Christian priest. And she's like, my father believed that God came in different forms, you know, and they're talking about the totems and everything. Um, then this man comes in, who's was the husband of Abiza. He goes, they're back. And with them is this thug, uh, this guy that murdered uh, Mari's mother. And then they're having a, a big back and forth fight. I got to get his name. Let's see here. Let's see here. Just trying to get his name real quick. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's something too. Like, there's a lot of funny little dialogue. Like, he, uh, you know, he goes in. He goes, "You're all right." Oh, yeah. Mari took care of the thugs, and he and then her husband's like, "A woman took care of that." trying to get this guy's name well i think it comes a little bit later but anyways they have this big square off and she realizes he's a metahuman and he has like animal powers too and he's beating the crap out of her and his name you know let's see what is his name sorry I, like i read it and then like i don't know you know why it's it must be in the beginning but anyways so this guy this big gangster he's got her on the ground with a gun threatening to shoot her and that's where it cuts off uh, you know, because that was first thing was Predator and the next one's going to be called Prey. But fun little book here. Uh, actually, you know, I have the name here. A small time warlord. Do, 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 do. Yeah, they just say he's a small time warlord. So maybe they never said his name. All right. <laughs> so yeah, but, but but he's this big warlord gangster in Zambezi. And he's basically got a gun pointed to Mari. And that's where it ends. So cool little book. Uh um, it's only a five issue run, so I'm definitely going to read the rest uh, of this. It's a pretty neat, and it really it's cool about that vixen character, like you going home and people not being accept that you have powers and that you're a woman with powers, like taking care of these guys, and then also like confronting the man at murder. Do you, do you murder him or do you not murder him? Because Superman's basically telling her she should not try to do that; she's going to get hurt. So uh, artwork. Um, pretty cool. It's as modern as they come. 2008, so we got their modern lifestyle and our modern uh, art style. Um, I'll give it an eight. Pretty cool. Okay. As far as action, there's a good amount of action in here between the two fights. Her beating up, well, actually three fights. There's the Justice League fight, the gang gangsters, and then the fight with her and the guy. So it's. I'll give it a nine. Whole book almost has a lot of action as far as storytelling i really like the storytelling it, it told a lot uh as far as getting to know her character and getting to kind of like know you know what happened to her mother it was a nice little backstory for like this isn't the first vixen run you know so uh storytelling i'll give that a 10 okay. that was really good uh dialogue pretty good um you know i wasn't really lost that much uh i'll there were some really funny adult theme lines in this too. Like there were swear words, uh, like uh, and like really like. Let, let's see, what is the one? So the guy, the warlord says, "So this is the uncircumcised slut who thinks she can insult me." Like there was a few, <laughs> there was a few things like that in this book. Very adult theme for that. 
Didn't expect it. That was cool. I'll give that a nine. Okay. Rereadability. I want to read two through. It's it's if this had like a twenty issue run, I'm like ah, five issues. That's just you right. know Superman's gonna come back. There's gonna be a Justice League tie-in. Um, really cool. I'll give that a nine. Okay. Very good. We have forty-five out of fifty for that book. That Pretty is cool, Vixen book. Very good. And well, we'll take a quick commercial break, and right after that, we'll come right back to close off the show. I'm Matt Johnson. It's your boy, see him, a.k.a. The Nerd, a.k.a. The World Heavyweight Champion of Live Broadcast. Holding it down for all supremacy, it's the bad guy, Caddy. Yeah, and even though this is a podcast about video games, it's a podcast for everyone. Every Friday here on the BICBP Radio Network. Make sure you tune in. Make sure you listen to it whenever you're on the way to work, whenever you're on the way home from work. And when you get in and you put that video game in and you hear that disc spinning around, you might as well just realize you can't start any game without pushing start. All right, we are back, everybody. So I'm going to uh, do our second second half book with uh, Steel. Uh, Steel issue number four from May 1994. Uh, Steel is a character I don't have a whole lot of backstory about, but he was told to me, you know, that he's one of the original African American uh, comic book characters. And you know, I actually, this was my favorite of the two books. Honestly, it was um, there wasn't so much of him in his Steel persona, but there was. It was just a really, really good story. Um. Oh man, and there's a cool. I think this is the Death of Superman advertisement too, April 1994. It's um, oh May 1994. I Maybe this came out in April. A but. Steel book on this show a couple months back, and I think this may have been the same run. No, no. Okay. Well, this was it was the Rise of the Superman run. Okay, Rise of the Superman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's and that right. That was a cool book. Yeah. That I read. Steel's Steel's awesome, and I know that people. Real quick, before you get into that. No, go ahead. You know how everyone's got their comic book movie people defend? Yes. Like, I know, to this day, Greg will defend Daredevil. Yes. With Ben Affleck. I will defend Steel with Shaq. I love Jenny Nelson as a bad guy recruiting the kids. <laughs> I love Shaq. Yeah, the girl in the wheel. The girl in the wheelchair, you knew she was supposed to be Barbara Gordon. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> Shaq is Steel. Good. Very. It, it was 96. What do you want? Like, right. What did you expect? Good movie. I respect that. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen that, too. I'm going to have to check that out again. Maybe I'll watch it on YouTube. I have a... We should do watch-alongs. Yes, we Especially should. Especially of, like, old comic. Like, we should watch that terrible Hulk TV movie with Thor and stuff. Oh, my God, <laughs> like, yes. Like, and Captain America do... with, like, the see-through shield and the, yeah. and the motorcycle have you helmet. Have seen the Iron live-action Iron Man from the 70s? I did. He's like a garbage can. <laughs> yeah, like, it's great. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to have to do that. Mix it up a little bit. All right, so we're starting off here. There is a uh, Colonel Weston. He's being interviewed because there was some type of arson going on. Um, he's definitely the bad guy, if anybody knows uh, Steel and his lore. But um, Steel is flying away from, from whatever's going on. He's going to... Uh, he stole some data, some data disk. Something to expose this company. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. 
Uh, oh, Amertech, Amertech International. Um, trying to expose them. And then it goes to the next morning. He's got some uh, some family of his that are on the street um, talking about, you know, gang signs and stuff. And actually, there's, side note, there's a <laughs> there's an advertisement for a game called Super Alfred Chicken. And one of the quotes says, a hero for the 90s, but I've never heard of this character. I, I always love the advertisements. We're going to have to do just an advertisement episode. Maybe. Um, so there's um, Steel is is trying to get some some intel and you know figure out who to talk to about what he has on his disc to expose Amertech International. Um, that Colonel Colonel Weston, I think was I said it was his name. Colonel Weston's meeting up with a guy named um, Irons. Or no no Irons. Is, I'm so mixed up. Uh, I apologize. Irons is um, steel, but he's meeting with a gentleman who has a like a robot arm kind of. They're talking about well, one of Steel's Steel's nephew was killed uh, by this this guy and his gang, and so Colonel Weston is telling um, this guy to give one of his members uh, some type. Uh, it's called uh, S Tar, and it's supposed to be you know make him really strong, but it's it's very lethal. So it's it's for he tells him to give it to one of his goons. Um, but anyways, they're they're at the funeral um, for a kid named Spiral, and I think it's also uh, Steele's nephew. And while while at the funeral, this giant guy in his underwear and in shoes, uh, he's just muscled up like just unnecessary muscles. Excuse me. Breaks into the funeral, bashes in the back door, and Steel is fighting this guy without his costume. I guess everyone knows that he is Steel as well, too, which is interesting. But um, to prevent any like gang war, you know, trying to stop any guns going off, he he, he stops the gang members because the Spiral kid that his family was, was in a gang and uh, was killed by. It. But he's trying to he's trying to prevent that. Steel fights the guy off. And and uh, what's all the tar? Yeah, fights it off. This this goon who took the tar, um, it wears it wears off. So he shrivels down. And now because there was an attack at the funeral, there is a big gang war about to happen throughout the city, and Steel is trying to uh, get it to stop. Um, one of his nephews, there's a, a, I forgot what his name is, um, and then Tyke. Tyke was shot due to gang, uh, a gang drive-by. So this nephew of his, other nephew of his, uh, decides he wants to go get some revenge and uh, and throws like some Molotov cocktails at this other gang who, who they believe is part of, you know, broke in on their... Uh, on the funeral. I mean, it's the way I read it, it sounded kind of confusing, but, you know, it was actually, I thought it was a really good book. It, it showed a, I got to know the person that was Steel, not so much the superhero, uh, which I think was a nice touch. But, all right, so I'm going to review it, uh, give it its ratings. Get my old handy-dandy calculator up. Okay, the artwork. Early 90s. 
Um, Steel has a really cool look to him. Uh, like, it's really cool. And anybody who's listened to this podcast many times before knows how much I care, how much I appreciate 90s, uh, especially early 90s artwork. I'm going to give the art a 9. Action. Plenty of action. There was, you know, the fight at the funeral. There was some gang, you know, gang on gang action. Um, there was a decent amount to keep me interested. It was like, it was just right. I'm going to give the action an 8. All right, story. Told a great story, deep story. And actually, you know, it's not like a huge book at all, but they made use of every page, which I think is important. It told, uh, you know, a great story with, with all, you know, Steele's very obviously anti-gang, and, and he's trying to preach it, and all this bad stuff's happening and, and whatnot. It was actually a really good story in that respect. I'm going to give the story a seven. Dialogue. Real easy to follow, helped push the story quite a bit, and it wasn't too confusing. It was actually, like I said, it was very, very easy to follow. Uh, I'm going to give the dialogue a nine. Rereadability, great book. Um, like I said, I know I didn't describe it the best, but I actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, would I pick this book up again? Absolutely. It shows a different side of steel, and especially for me, I've never read a steel book before. I've never read a steel book before, and it was cool to see the man behind the suit. And the suit, the the costume, the getup is so cool. But to get to know the person behind is is very important. I'm going to give the rereadability a seven, bringing this book to a four, uh, 41 out of 50 for steel number four, May 1994. All right, Golo, take us home. All right, so I actually read one of my favorite. Not just African American characters, but one of my favorite comic book characters. And as big as the movies were in the 90s, I don't think he gets enough love in the comic book world. And that would be the man called Blade. Uh, and I read a Blade Strange Tales, 1998. So, uh, very cool. It was cool. My my. First book was 10 years ago, around 10 years ago, and this this book, 20 years ago. So, pretty cool. So, I, I read this, um, and this is right after he, uh, it's a pretty famous run where he murders uh, Deacon Frost, uh, who was the vampire that, mur- that murdered his mother, that, if you know the story, he turned, he killed his mother with a vampire bite and that's why while she was having labor with blade and that's why he's immune to vampires and they and they tell that backstory it's pretty cool they give people like a nice refreshed memory on it so he's decided that after tracking down deacon frost in new orleans he stays in new orleans so you see there he's in like a little boat in like the swamp world and he's having flashbacks as i talked about when he was born and his mom dying so he he he's like finds this old like steamboat abandoned steamboat and everything and so while this is happening you get to a scene where this woman is with this this guy this like vampire guy and she's kind of being seduced by him and she knows he's a vampire but she's in tr- interested in it and this and that. And this vampire guy is clearly, you know, uh, taking her advantage, taking advantage of her. And uh, from far away, they say, like, you know, Blade, here's the wh- whimpers, right? So, you know, he, he's got he's got her, he lures her in. They meet this other g- guy, his name's Worm Digger. 
And oh, and this this guy's name. Let's see here. I know it's somewhere. All this, I believe it's like all this something. Uh, they say it later on. So so it's this big like vampire layout like um, layer, and it's like like I said, there's like an old abandoned like riverboat and stuff like that. It's kind of neat. The visuals are really cool. So. And this book is in the height of Blade, the movie, coming out. So it had that 90s feel to it. So Blade shows up. He starts, you know, taking, killing some of the vampires. And he kills Worm Digger. He, he didn't have a long run. Uh, and then he's trying to find uh, the, this main vampire. And they kind of go back and forth with morality. The biggest theme in this book is, is Blade thinks killing the vampires is not murder. And the... And the vampire's like, no, you are trying to murder us. You are a murderer. And he goes, I'm not a murderer. You're already dead. And you could tell that Blade doesn't consider himself a bad person. And he's not murdering anybody. But he does kill these vampires. And he thinks, there's a nice dialogue where he thinks that by killing them, he is ending their suffering. So... You, uh, there, there's this, this whole scene is just a big back and forth fight. The vampire gets his wings out. Blade cuts holes in the guy, in the vampire's wings. And there's this big, just back and forth fight. And then finally he stakes him down onto the roof so that when the sun hits, he'll die. And he's got him basically crucified, like on the roof with the stakes. It's it's pretty cool. You can see like he's being like crucified there with the stakes, and then he finds this girl and she's like, "I was stupid. I was just curious of what this whole vampire thing was about." He goes, "Well, it's very dangerous. You know, you shouldn't have to. You know, you shouldn't be out here doing this." Well, we go to a scene now. Blade is like he's sharpening up his stakes, like watching the news, and this woman shows up. And she's asking a lot of questions and everything. And he and he's like, oh, I'm a vampire hunter. And she goes, oh, do you believe in vampires? And this little like, but and he says, oh, yeah, I, I kill him or whatever. No, I, I, you know, I take him out. And she goes, well, isn't that your murder? He goes, you can't murder what's already dead. This little bit back and forth. And it kind of ends with like this back and forth dialogue. Um, and this character ends up being pretty big in the Blade uh, comics, uh, Dominique Levant. So it's like her introductory there. And like I said, the vampires are pretty cool. Um, I'm sure in this run, Hannibal King shows up a lot too, because they show how he befriended him. And that's one of the reasons why he stayed in new Orleans, but this was really cool. And I want to like, I can never find the bad guys names. Like I, I have it on the tip of my tongue. They're not, they're not iconic villains. So that's probably why I don't always remember that there. So, um, yeah, whatever it, 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 people could read the issue to find out. To who this guy is oh yeah all, all this yancy there we go there we go. i got that one all this yancy but really cool book uh it's it, i i picked first issues for a reason because i you know i wanted to kind of show a little introductory and much like vixen dealed with like should she murder somebody for revenge he is murdering people for revenge and he doesn't think it's murder like it's much like blade and punisher are the reason why there's so much they're linked a lot is because they're very similar in the aspect of Punisher. He thinks by killing bad guys, it's not bad. Right. It, it's not a kill. And that's Venom's how... Venom's the same way, too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how Blade thinks, too. Blade thinks, I'm killing a vampire. They're, they're not really alive anymore. Right. That's cool. I like... 
yeah, I like that that line of morality being brought up. I, I'm glad you picked this book too, because that's uh, that's a fun thing that you know for for someone to read for for you know to try to justify for Blade. It's, it it kind of does bring up a a, a bigger question. Too. Is he a murderer? Yes, exactly. You know, and I and and they always touch on Punisher being this crazy guy and in Civil War, and a lot of people won't deal with Punisher. Yeah. But they don't touch it enough with Blade. Like, in this no, book, they this don't. Part, I mean, like, like how, how can people trust Blade? You know? I, I know with Blade Morbius, that's always interesting, because how can Morbius really trust Blade? But That is a fun dynamic, too. I do like that. But, uh, great, so, great. this is a really fun book. Uh, I'll get right into it. Artwork, it had that 90s cartoon feel. Like, it looked like a 90s cartoon. Good. For that, I love 90s cartoons. I'm going to tell <laughs> Um Action, there was... The, a long fight. Uh, it was a little slow in the beginning and a little slow at the end. So I'll give it a seven. Okay. Um, storytelling, pretty cool, but I'm still a little confused with the girl that shows up at the end. And it was like, why would that other girl just like go to a vampire's house because she wanted to be interested in it? Like, so I'll give it a seven on that. Okay. Dialogue, pretty cool, but there was some Creole you know, with the vampires and stuff. So I'll give that, I'll give that a seven as well. Okay. As far as rereadability, very cool. I mean, I, I would like to pick this up again, uh, or like a similar, you know, the, the continuing the runs. There was something I wanted to do and I just, it was way too long. All I could find was one book. It didn't have it in issues. So, and I didn't get the year, but there's a blade, the vampire series and it's all in black and white. Oh, but the covers in color and he looks like he's from the seventies. I'll show you off air. Yeah, do that. It's really neat. It's- uh, yeah. So I want. So, but uh, so overall, like, so. Oh wait, I gotta get my score for readability. Uh, <laughs> I'll give it a. I'll give it an eight. Eight. What did you give for uh, art? I forgot. Was it ten? I gave art a ten because of ninety sir. Okay, thirty-nine out of fifty. Thirty-nine out of fifty. Very good. Very good. So, yeah, and then uh, I know Greg's gonna do his one here, and uh, you know, off air. Well. On the side. It's already recorded. Already yeah. recorded, not <laughs> off here. But, uh, but yeah, so this was cool. Um, I'm glad we all did, like, different characters and not, like, the typical, like, oh, Black Panther or Luke Cage, because everybody knows those. Yeah, those are, those are you know, easy ones. These are a little bit more deeper in lore. Bishop is, like, Bishop is cool. I've always known Bishop, but I've never read Bishop in it. He's always been, in, like, a side, I guess, side, is side piece the correct phrase for it? Uh, like, he's always been, like, a side character. This one, I mean, he was even kind of a side character in his own book, but he was the main guy. He was technically the main guy in this in this read. And Steel, um, yeah, I think very underappreciated character. And and Blade, I mean, Blade was like the dude in the '90s. You don't hear people talking too much about Blade anymore. I mean, there's an occasional Wesley Snipes rumor about him coming back to play Blade and people desiring it. But as for, from a comic book standpoint, you never hear people talk about Blade anymore. They don't use him in a lot of new stuff, which no. which is a shame because he would be really, really cool if they modernized him and had him in some really, like... Like, can you imagine him in Superior uh, Octopus? Like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, like you know, so, just something like that, just... Making Blade cool for the contemporary, right? Putting Blade in space, I was just thinking that too. Blade in space would be a Blade as a guardian. I know it sounds. I like that idea though. Yeah. 
Who do we talk to? (laughs) (laughs) So if you're out there listening, Mr. Kazade or Alan Fine, uh, (laughs) make it happen. Make it happen. All right. Very good. Feels like, well, we didn't record for very long, but once we throw in all Greg's stuff, it'll be a decent-sized episode. Um, Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Next week, I'm very excited. Uh, We're going to Pop Rock in Rochester, New York. You never heard of it? Listen up. It's one of the coolest places you will ever read a comic book. We've been to some cool places ourselves individually. Pop Rock is absolutely amazing. And we're going to talk to the owners, some of the people who run it, and, you know, about their experiences. Uh, for those who don't know, oh, I'll give a brief little summary of it. It is a cereal bar run in, it's pretty much right in the middle of downtown Rochester. Um, and they sell comic books and they sell toys and they have, like, games and, like, they have a lot of stuff. And it's a, it's actually, it's super clean. Like, they do a good job taking care of the place, and it's just a fun, it's a fun place to be. There's a cool little patio on the, on the outside, too. I've only been so. there during the winter, so I haven't seen it, but that is, uh, I mean, it's cool. It's something worthwhile checking out. We'll take pictures, um, you know, put them up on our Facebook page, and, you know, I'll probably write a, do a WordPress article about it, something, but if you've never been to Pop Rock, it is worth, I've been there once so far. It is worth the journey. It is worth going, making a day trip out there to go check it out. I promise you that. Um, so yeah, like th- this was a fun uh, episode, and and I can't wait uh, to uh, you know can't wait to go to Pop Rock. It's gonna be a good yeah, time. It's gonna be good, and all three of us will be back in the same room together. So, all right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to our very special Black History Month episode. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week from Pop Rock. <laughs>